Welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Katie Halper. Do we have a good show this time? This time, like every other time, we have a good show, yes. All right, and we have, um, who's going to be on? Abby Martin, amazing journalist, visual artist also, who's going to talk about her premiere documentary film, which is excellent. Yeah, And uh, Gods of yeah. Fights for Freedom, Gods it's an amazing, freedom, yeah. so that's going to be fun. A lot of bizarre things happened this week, so let's just do the, the four food groups. Yeah. I guess it's me, right, Republicans? Yeah. A theme that I've been re- interested in lately yeah. is the increasing number of Republican blackface uh, stories. It just seems like it's, you, you can actually run a search and pretty much every other week now there's there's one of these. There's like a subgenre of like Republican politicians who figured out new ways of dealing okay. with this phenomenon. So this is um, interesting. Republican candidate for sheriff preemptively refi- released a photo of himself in blackface. And uh, it's this guy who says... Um, to be fair, some Dems do that too, but you're right. The, the Republicans the, the, well, the are, original are better blackface, at this. The original blackface thing was it was in Virginia. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But now we're spread of the, have the Canadian one. Yeah, right, you got, right. Aladdin Trudeau. face. He's, Aladdin, he's, face. Aladdin face, yeah. But now I think they're beginning to do it in order to get votes. Right, like they can't win unless they have the blackface. Yeah, exactly. In other words, they're, they're doing it in order to get the backlash so that they can, yeah. So a Republican sheriff candidate in South Carolina is trying to own up to his mistakes. But critics say he's missing a key component, an apology. In a campaign ad uh, posted Tuesday on Facebook, Craig Stivender, who is running for sheriff of Colleton County, South Carolina, lists off his perceived faults. A ticket for driving without a license, getting divorced and remarried, fender benders that were his fault, and losing his temper at work. But then he transitions to something a little more controversial. He went to a party dressed in blackface. And it turns out he went to a Halloween party dressed up as a local drug dealer named Demetrius Big Meech Flannery. Uh, and he released the photo and everything. And then he he basically didn't apologize. He affirmatively non-apologized. Right. He's just like, I just want you to know, FYI. Yeah, exactly. Up. So this was, this was a non-scandal that he turned into a scandal. Right. right. What if it was fake? What if he didn't even do that and he created this? Would that would that be worse or better? Both. Right? Yeah. Right? It's complicated. It's complicated. Right? Yeah. Like I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, that would be great though. Like people pretending that they had these things in their past just so we to should drum all do up that, popularity. Right? Yeah. Or should we not? I don't know. Well, Is no. For us, not? it's different because we're not running for Republican sheriff. Right. Contrary to popular belief. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, um, we're not. We just yeah. we gave I gave up that dream. <laughs> I was so close to doing it though. I was so close to enlisting in sheriff school and uh, becoming. I could Republican. see you as a sheriff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. So there's there's that there were and there were there were actually several blackface scandals just in the last couple of weeks. But that was that was the worst one. That was the most interesting. So Democrats suck. Uh, where to start? Let's see. We have Hillary Clinton suggesting that Tulsi Gabbard is being groomed by the Russians. It's funny. As soon as that happened, all these people on Twitter started saying you've got something for democrats suck next week oh really yeah That's exactly funny, yeah. it was like that was like the instantaneous reaction yeah i think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the democratic <laughs> primary and are grooming her to be the third party candidate she's a favorite of the russians and that's assuming jill stein will give it up which she might not because she's also a russian right. uh, asset also a Russian asset, Tulsi Gabbard responded, Betsy, you, the queen of warmongers, embodiment of corruption, personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party for so long. It's now clear that this primary is between you and me. Don't cowardly hide behind your proxies. Join the race directly. But I want to give credit to so many more people. Okay. It's not just Hillary. We have um, a lot of people who, who said terrible things. You got this woman, Jess Morales Rocchetto, who used to work for Hillary Clinton. When Tulsi Gabbard defended herself, which is 
extremely fair. That's a fair thing to do, right, when someone calls you that. This woman, Jess Morales Rocchetto, goes, this sounds like a really poorly written spy thriller. Is this how she really talks? Also, lol. The also and the lol are all caps. Also, lol. This is a message from a woman who, asterisk, met with Assad, asterisk, and is a Russian puppet. Okay. That's that was a good. That was, that was sort of like your Sydney Ember face, but your voice, voice but yeah, you, 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 black face, Sydney Ember face. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand. That's the spy thriller novel. It's not when your boss says that she's that someone's being groomed by the Russians. Yeah, no, I guess not. Yeah. I, I like that Hillary didn't mention who it was at first. Very respectful. Such a passive aggressive move. I thought that was part. a good marketing plan. Another one that I liked was what Brian Fallon, who used to be her communications guy, tweeted in response to um, Tulsi. This tweet reads an awful lot like the Facebook content pumped out by Russian bot farms in 2016. Yeah, only so a bot perfect. farm. So, so you call, you call exactly. her a Russian agent and then she responds like, aha. Yeah, that gotcha. sounds a lot like what a Russian bot would say, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. But I love the idea that you have to be a Russian bot to say that Hillary Clinton is a hawk right. and corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Monty Python skit with the witch. Remember that? It's from Holy Grail. They bring the the, the witch to be stoned, and she's got like the pointy hat and the and the long nose, and the they're about to stone her. The knight's about to stone, uh -huh. and she's like, "They put the nose on me." I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. Uh, but you are dressed as one. They dressed me up like this. <laughs> and this isn't my nose. It's a false one. Well, well, we did do the nose. The nose and the hat, but she's a witch. You know, like that's exactly what happened when she tweets back, and that's exactly what a Russian bot would do. It's yeah. just like the logic is like straight out of Monty Python. It's hilarious. It's just such. I mean, it's so McCarthy. I, I don't right. know what the. And the sad thing is, you have people who aren't that courageous, and I'm not a huge fan of Beto or Buttigieg. They both. One more cowardly than the other, and neither of them, I think, came out affirmatively to talk about this. But both of them were like, no, Tulsi's not being groomed by anyone. She's her own person. Right. Buttigieg said he wasn't comfortable with that. Yang came out. Marianne Williamson came out. That's not surprising. What is surprising is, like, there are people who are decent, who are not radical leftists. They're not outside the political mainstream, and they also get that this isn't a good thing to do. Right. But they're, like, Hillary, Cory Booker, who released a GIF, um, and yeah, Brian Fallon... And Brian Fallon and um, Jessica Rocchetto, they're like extremists. Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. And the, the, the response was actually kind of amazing. Um, David Frum says, you know, he was supposed to pretend they were not all on the same team. About He's Trump, about he said Trump. That, right, yeah. yeah. Anna Navarro on CNN, when both the Russians and Trump support someone, be wary. There was an MSNBC panel. and we Oh, my God. When she didn't deny it? Yeah, they're like, you know, she never really denied being and a Kate Russian Park's asset. Like, oh, my God, yeah. Like, wow, they can see all the light bulbs I going know. on. They should have a little MSNBC light bulb graphic. Yeah. That would be actually good. One thing that was interesting about Tulsi Gabbard's response, I mean, she went after Hillary Clinton. She was strong. She said that she wasn't going to run as a third-party candidate. She never denied being a Russian asset. That was the one asset that was missing from her response, oh, you know, wow. which you think that would be the first, right? you know, in the first line or two, <laughs> it was not there. And then, you know, the Brian Stelter, he was talking to Crystal Ball, actually. Yeah, friend of the show. And he, when he brings it up, he says, it feels like a disinformation situation where the Russians want this kind of disinformation. Otherwise, in, in other words, he's, he's, he's basically saying that Hillary being confused about this or accusing somebody without evidence, it's actually Russian disinformation. That's great, though. That means Hillary's the, the asset, the Russian asset, right? No, she's an unwitting 
unwitting asset. She was used by Russian right. interest disinformation. Because remember, this this is kind of a recurring theme. Like, remember when the the Guardian did that story about uh, Paul Manafort meeting with uh, Assange in the embassy, mm-hmm. you know, like rocketed around the internet because that was like proof of the conspiracy and everything. And then, like, it turned out that the story was like terribly sourced, and everybody started to disbelieve it. So instantly, like. A, an anonymous CIA officer named with, under the nom de plume of Alex Finley wrote a piece in Politico basically saying that the, the most logical explanation for what happened was that this was Russian disinformation trying to discredit the great journalist Lou Gl- Harding. Oh, got it. Yeah, this is oh, like Luke a thing. Harding, yeah, yeah who yeah, Aaron yeah. Mate interviewed and who hung up on Aaron Mate when he asked him a question that was not very hard That's to right, answer. That's right, yeah. yeah, when he figured book, out. collusion, that, where he can't prove that there was collusion. Right, right, he's like, where's the collusion? And he's like, he's like just in the title. That's right, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. The other thing that was uh, amazing about this is that they've, you know, first of all, this has been years that this has gone on, and uh, this was the first time, I think, that the, there was a significant portion of the media public that was like you know what this is kind of ridiculous did you get that vibe you know why because she went after remember mccarthy mccarthy's downfall was he went after the army Mm. that's when he started to lose legitimacy sadly no one really cared before he went after the army for being communist and they were like all the actors yeah yeah no one cared about the actors right so my hope is that hillary clinton because she went after tulsi who's a vet i want this to be her downfall Right. And right. all the Neo McCarthyite Russia gators. So we just got to get Hillary, if you're listening to this, um, leave the room and someone else make this into a subconscious, like, thing she can listen to when she's going to sleep. This is logical. How many different weird things would have to happen before Hillary Clinton <laughs> listened to this You'd podcast? You'd be surprised. Not a lot. She's we, already. It would have to be the last thing on earth, you know? <sighs> she would have to be alone on a desert, desert island. island. Yeah. yeah. Just with, like, with, with Bill like, Clinton. Yeah, with Bill Clinton. And just trying to drown him out, do whatever she can <laughs> right, do to drown yeah, him out, right? Exactly. But who's another leftist vet who she could go after? Or left? Ugh, then you got the lefties who are like, why didn't Tulsi say this about Trump or Modi? It's like, yeah, I don't like Tulsi's position on Modi, but guess what? Modi didn't call her a Russian asset. When right. he does that and she doesn't respond, then that's fair game. Right. And someone else who I know, who I really think is principled, usually, on Twitter was like, I don't know if she's an asset, but she's not a good candidate. She's inauthentic. I'm like... You can go after her for that whenever you want to. I go ahead. But co-signing on this, the asset thing, just undermines all your criticisms of her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's completely batty. And then, you know, in the same interview, she also went after... With David Plouffe, right? Plouffe, whatever, yeah. Yeah, with David Plouffe or whatever. What, how do you Plouffe pronounce Plouffe. it? She also says... Jill Stein's also a Russian asset. Yeah. yeah, she's a Russian asset. I mean, totally. They know they can't win without a third-party candidate. Then she says about uh, Trump, I don't know what Putin has on him, whether it's both personal and financial. I assume it is. So when you go back and think about it, so third-party candidates are, are Russian assets, yeah. right? So Jill Stein, basically. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who's kind of like the middle-of-the-road um, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, independence. Right. Um, Anti-regime change. Yeah, any war, exactly. Any war, yeah. but like, yeah. Bernie Sanders, who has been regularly sort of impugned as a beneficiary of, you know, the... Russian the Rush, Bernie bros. Russian disinformation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the entire spectrum of American political thought, except for like MSNBC Democrats. They're all Russian assets. Yeah. Basically. You know what? Has Hillary Clinton denied being a Russian asset? Interesting. No, she hasn't. Makes right. you think, doesn't it? It does. It makes you it makes you think. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, and and the reaction to this has been has been uh, mind boggling. Yeah, I wrote a piece oh. about it just, yeah. just today, and like within ten seconds, I had like a million of the sort of near tandem trolls. Here's okay. here, here's a tweet from Voice of Reason, which is at Chicago Kid 1971. This is the perfect preemptive strike by at M Taibbi. It has become increasingly clear over the past year that he is the true Russian asset. A cursory review of his writing during that period will confirm it. Nice going, Matt. You could have been a contender. In what? His favorite journalist book? What, what could you have been a contender in? I don't know. This is an insane tweet that I saw. I just want to, in terms of uh, Clinton brain rot, which refers to not hers per se, but other people around her. Uh-huh. We are incredibly fortunate to have Hillary Clinton refusing to concede her position of leadership within our party. By deftly exposing the posers in our primary with precision and clarity, she's proven who truly leads, and she isn't waiting on a title to lead. That's like a parody. Yeah. She's not waiting to be invited to... She's, ru- she's, ba- she's leading the party by uh, criticizing Tulsi. Anyway. I kind of miss her being Me in too. public life. I miss her a lot. It's orienting. So um, for Isn't That uh, Terrible, the story I have... So it's man in Colorado caught on surveillance video discarding woman's body in dumpster. First of all, it's kind of a party foul. Like if you're going to discard a body, you can just look around yeah and see and if you see this watch this video you that's can that see. dumpster fire of a move yeah didn't didn't so the guy actually parks and you can see their cars going back and forth like you can see the headlights then you see the person struggle to pull the suitcase out and throw it into the dumpster the person closes the lid and drives off police say a few hours later they got a call to check it out what they what they saw was uh some what they thought was skin what they thought was blood but being this close to Halloween and stuff like that, you never know if it's, you know, real, not. Neighbors nearby were shocked to hear what had happened. This is way out of the norm. I mean, do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's way out of the norm. That's not your typical dump uh, body removal People method. People around here, they never, they, they never dump their bodies on camera. Yeah, it's always like they're always chopped up or something. Right, or yeah, like exactly. off camera. They do it discreetly. Yeah. You know? you know who you should work with? That woman who robbed the jewelry, not jewelry place, that woman who went to the skincare right, store. Right, yeah, who robbed the skincare yeah, store yeah. on camera. Yeah, they should work together. Right. It sounds yeah. like he's not going to be working much though yeah prob- of probably not labor. they no, got they got him pose, of yeah. they got him yeah yeah exactly how, how, on earth, he's how, a, he's how could they get him interest. how could they possibly get him yeah the, the, the crack the crack uh, investigators in colorado did manage to track down this person who dumped a body on camera all my isn't that terribles are actually weird you notice how i'm not that sad you know why right. why because it's not involving an animal oh right yeah right, as you yeah, said yeah Um, So my isn't that weird, scientists in Japan have discovered a clever way to reduce the need for using pesticides on livestock, and the evidence supporting it is pretty black and white. A study published in the Journal found that painting zebra-like stripes on cows significantly reduced attacks by biting flies, providing means of defending livestock against flies without pesticides. The study's inspiration came from past experiments that suggested that the striped coats of zebras and black and white surfaces in general attracted fewer flies than the solid black color of the Japanese bovines that were studied. Two things jump out at me right away about this. First of all, why was somebody painting the cows? Where did that happen? Why did that happen in the first place? Right. And and why did you decide to do a scientific study about the effects of, of painting cows to look like zebras? Instead of cow tipping, they're cow painting. Right, yeah. They want to paint cows right. to look like zebras, and then they, they're using science to just... Right? Yeah. Also, don't they, like... um. 
in Japan, don't they make little dogs look like pandas or something? There's a lot of <laughs> role animal cosplay. What? It, it is in Japan. Japan is Japan has a lot of traditions that are interesting that maybe sound problematic, but they're real. They're also really into flamenco, uh-huh. which I love flamenco. Flamenco dancing. Yeah, dancing yeah. music, yeah. So right. I, I'm not making this up. This is not some racist stereotype about Japanese people making dogs look like pandas. Right. Maybe like tigers. There's definitely some of that. We got a lot of zoological vagary on this episode. Yeah. No. We're really invisibilizing also, animals. I love the word invisibilizing. That's yeah, great. Why would you do this study? Is this is this to make sure that in the future you can maximize the benefit of, of painting your cow to look like a zebra? Like what, what? What's the benefit of doing this study? Well, they don't die from fly bites. Oh, I see. Oh yeah. Oh Matt, come on. It's not just a pain. Fly bites are not just a, an annoyance. The insects interfere with cattle grazing and feeding, increase fly repelling behaviors like foot stamping and head throwing, and cause cattle to bunch together, which increases heat stress and risk of injury. Fly bites are estimated to cost the livestock industry billions every year. I just love this kind of. I, the, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a scientific study that that justifies doing something funny. There should yeah, be more right. of those. Yeah, right. We're gonna we're doing a scientific study that proves that when you put pigs in tutus, they're right. actually <laughs> exactly. much better behaved. Yeah, you have a three-toed sloth with a clown mask on. Oh it's my gonna God, be. A, we should do that. Right. All right. So All that right, was yeah. uh, that was isn't that weird, right? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Bernie Sanders was in town. Yeah, and you went. I went. I saw Amo Bernie. Do you know what song he came out to? Back in Black. Oh, back in was, Black? Yeah, by ACDC. Okay, excellent. Um, I thought he would have done Back in the Saddle. He could have done that, um, but you know what else is that Nina Turner was there, who's a great speaker. She speaks like a, a minister. Yeah, I've seen her on the trail. She's she's, uh, she's, she's an amazing speaker, it's right? A, it's an interesting contrast with her and Bernie. I can barely know. tell them apart, actually. <laughs> she goes, um, you don't mind if I take my notes out of my Southern Lady's um, bank trust, do you? Which is what she calls her bra. Uh, <laughs> uh, she said that? Yeah. That's excellent. And she said, um, she quoted LL Cool J. Really? She said, don't call it a comeback. Oh, yeah. And okay. she was like, I'm going to knock you out. Mama going to knock you out. The people going to knock you out. Talking about like corruption and greed and stuff. Right, which right, is right. really, really good. But yeah, he was great. He gave a great speech. And of course, the press made it look like he had a heart. I mean, basically, they should have just written that he had a second heart attack. This is one of the headlines, though, from okay. NBC. Can I just read you one headline? Yeah. Again, this is the biggest crowd, like, ever? Is this the biggest crowd ever? The biggest crowd in New York? The biggest crowd so far? Of this campaign? Of this campaign. It's something historic. This Warren, Warren's had... It's, been one of the, it's the biggest one in New York this year. Yeah. It beat Warren. Okay. It beat her. It made pow-wow chow out of her. Okay. Here's the NBC headline. Bernie Sanders struggles to rebound. Staffing strategy health. This is the article that NBC ran the day after Sanders and AOC draw, drew the largest crowd of any Democrat running in 2020. Oh, right. Yes, exactly. Literally the day after. And, you know, look, you're, I know you, you're a yeah. big Sanders supporter. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Bernie, obviously, um, maybe not to that degree necessarily, sure. but, but um, it's gotten silly. With the, uh, there with are the, people the who are not stuff. Bernie fans, and this is actually hard. This is like a nice thing to see. They're not Bernie fans, and they're like, okay, I'm, Bernie's not my guy, but this is just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's it's sim it's actually similar to the, the Hillary uh, Russian assets story. I think it's like a bridge too far. Yeah, you don't have to like, yeah, yeah, you don't have to like Gabbard to think that it's ridiculous to accuse her of being a Russian. Uh, 
Russian asset. Yeah, so I think this is all this stuff is starting to become kind of counterproductive yeah, from but, a propaganda but, right, point yeah, of point yeah, of view. But Ber- I hope so. But Bernie was great. It was very exciting. Uh, AOC was great. Tiffany Caban was there. She's great. Nina Turner loved it. Loved the LL Cool J. So much energy. Michael did it, Moore did was it, there. The actual LL Cool J show up? No, he's a Republican though, so it is may he? have been bad optics. He was at at one point. Okay. Doing it and doing it is a great song. I don't uh-huh. know if that's the official title of it, but um, oh, that would be good for Bernie because you know how people always criticize him for criticize him for saying the same thing again and again and again. Yeah. So that should be it. Doing it and doing it and doing it. That that's would be so, a that's great right, yes. yeah, LL exactly. Cool yeah, yeah. J. LL, yeah. if you're listening to this, um, please. Let Bernie use that song. So big dick energy of the week. Okay. Uh, we who do we have? We have Cory Booker because of his gif. Brian Fallon because of his tweet. Hillary Clinton because of hers. Uh, Jessica Moretto, uh, Rocchetto. And Japanese cow painters. Yeah. Who do you think gets it? I mean, just Brian Fallon. It's always the answer is really? always Brian Fallon oh, if he's I, in I the field. I no. thought it would have been Hillary, but she's too easy a target. That's like yeah, two. That's no. yeah. Okay, Brian Fallon. Yeah. yeah. All right, we All have right. a fascinating uh, interview. Tune in now for Abby Martin, who's going to talk about her amazing documentary, which everybody should tune in and check yes, out. Yes, that's great. Cool, right? Yeah. Good. Abby, so good to see you. Great to see you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Well, um, I guess we should just get right to it. Yeah. Um, so. How do you meet with your sub-agent, Tulsi Gabbard? Is there a drop somewhere? Like, <laughs> how, how does it work? Do you, have to leave, do you have to leave your mailbox up and she drives past it? What's, well, what's Putin the... conjures us at the round table every morning and kind of gives us our talking points <laughs> uh, that we sift through and then we kind of um, diversify from there and try to pretend like we're independent. But um, no, it works well so far. But I mean, yeah. it's kind of, you know, getting exposed more work. and more. Yeah, yeah. used to. You get your. Is there, is there like a, a you know talking points? You have to. Is there like a book code somewhere? That's yeah. Like, it's like every fourth word in, in the in the third story of the Washington <laughs> yes. Post, right? But you have to use like a you know um, I don't know like a Tom Clancy novel to figure out <laughs> where to start the code and all yes. that. Yeah. Yes. And you have to do it like a matryoshka doll, a, a, a doll, doll. A yeah. doll. Like yeah. that's the space. Right. I'm a turkey doll away if, from... If, if the nesting doll fits, oh, you saw that. I can't even believe that. What do you think about this? Well, I, I left RT actually uh, two years before the DNI report, but yet my show, Breaking the Set, was actually included in the DNI report as part of this whole like Russian propaganda effort to, to usurp American democracy. Right. You, right. Interve- and you caused Trump. the Donald Trump election because yes. you covered fracking, yep. Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street, yeah. uh, talked about Hillary Clinton, you know, issues that... I mean, RT fills a very necessary void, which is why it's popular and which is, you know, the corporate media obviously fails in doing. So, yeah, it, it's it's easier, I guess, to call everything a Russian right. disinfo operation. But, I mean, it's just so cartoonishly embarrassing because if anyone knew how actually, actually RT operated, uh, they would know that, you know, a lot of people have just complete editorial freedom, which is what I had. Chris yeah. Hedges, Lee Camp, a lot of people on the network do whatever they want. Right. Um, but it scares them. Can you give us, just before we get into everything we're going to get into, just a short kind of um, trajectory of your career? Because you've done a lot of interesting things, and I want to make sure listeners understand the arc of it. Sure. So I started off doing citizen journalism, uh, reporting on, uh, I was a board member of Project Censored, which is like the largest research organization in the country that publishes a book of the top 25 censored stories every year. Then I I covered Occupy Wall Street. Um, I was in Oakland at the time, and this police state kind of apparatus just showed up in my backyard. And so I was there covering it, and Russia Today was the only network that was actually taking it seriously and covering the protests. And so I kind of became the liaison. This is an important point. I want to to stop you there because the, the... the, the the DNI, mm-hmm. you know, when they, when they did that um, intelligence assessment, 
part of the whole conceit of it was what well they're they're really harping on the negatives of American society right. and you're seeing this coverage of Occupy Wall Street there's nowhere else to get yeah, it right, right? i mean right. It, it, i think if there, there would be a lot of people who who would be covering this stuff if there was an appetite for it in the corporate press right, right? they'd of be course. covering at places other than rt right right like it, they're sent to rt right. because right nowhere else will let them cover it so yeah. yeah yeah no and they called me um someone who was fomenting radical discontent for simply covering issues fomenting? like yeah fomenting yeah wow. so uh so you know Fast forward a year later, and I was uh, offered Breaking the Set, which was the daily kind of media critique show, and where I was de- deconstructing, deconstructing just media propaganda. Um, and I was an anti-imperialist journalist who kind of wore my bias on my sleeve. But uh, again, we know that these views are not entertained in the corporate media, and so they have to just malign anyone associated right. with RT. And it, it has become so absurd, though. I'm in this neo-McCarthyist hysteria oh God, now yeah. where Jill Stein, Jill Stein simply for attending that dinner, you know, and, and and she did it because RT was the only one who gave third parties a platform. Right. And she was like, okay, yeah. And right. she paid for her own way and, and, you know, she went to this dinner and now she's just incessantly maligned by Neera Tandon and all these oh democratic God. operatives as being a Putin... Ah, what, did, what did Hillary Clinton say? She Asset. said, absolutely. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Totally, yeah. Totally, totally, yeah. By the way, we have to make sure we, we cut in the Neera Tandon um, horse neighing sound from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, right, that's yeah. What, that's, that's reminds part you of, our, of that yeah. every time you hear her name, yeah. yeah. Um, but so so you were, before we get into the, yeah. the neo-McCarthyism, um, so you were at um, RT, yeah. breaking the set. Yes. Then you went to Telesur to do... Empire Files. Empire Files. So I left RT after three years before all of this kind of really came to a head, um, which is just fascinating to see how it's evolved. Um, but yeah, no, and then I joined Telesor, which is a Venezuelan, Cuban, a lot of Latin American conglomerates that, that um, started by Fidel Castro, Hugo Chavez, uh, to kind of combat this corporate media hegemony that was usurping their democratic processes. Right. Um, and unfortunately, after three years of working at Telesur, which we were just selling a show to an investigative series that um, basically viewed issues through the lens of U.S. empire, the thing that's kind of always missing from the analysis of domestic and foreign issues. Um, and Trump's sanctions on Venezuela shut it down, shut down the ability for Telesur to pay people outside of uh, the country, right. outside of Ecuador and Caracas. So it, we- And also, yeah. it's had problems with the internet platforms too, hasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, It's yep. been shut, periodically shut off of Twitter and, and Facebook. Yep. I, I can't remember which ones exactly. No, but absolutely, had, both. I mean, yeah. and and dozens of, if not hundreds of like pro Maduro accounts that are completely not associated with the government whatsoever have just been purged absolutely purged from social media. Right. So anyone who's deemed a U.S. enemy right. is just purged and, and just kind of drops off the face of the earth. And I feel, I feel like, the, to not to digress on this too much, but when the whole fake news yeah. uh, controversy started coming up here in the States, a lot of people in the States didn't really care about it, but they would if they looked overseas. And you, you report on Gaza, too. That's another place okay, where they've, yeah. they've um, you know, the, where Internet sites have been kind of taken off some of these platforms. I mean, this is kind of the model of what the press might be going forward, right? Where yeah. the, you know, the, the, these platforms, they kind of have a relationship with governments and they, they just sort of decide to selectively take some things off uh, the net, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, this whole Russia hysteria and also the fake news uh, mantra has basically right. been a, a coordinated effort on behalf of the foreign policy establishment with working with these think tanks like the Atlantic Council, who are stacked with just defense contractors, right. NATO and, and all these things things to to essentially again like 
purge dissident voices online, whether it be Venezuelan, whether it be, you know, <laughs> the Syrian voices that they don't like. Right. I mean, basically anyone Listen who's dissenting against, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's pretty outlandish. Um, and, and again, this is just all done under the banner of fighting fake news and fighting Russian propaganda. Yeah. And it's become very ridiculous because Google changed its algorithms and, and you know, you've reported extensively on this. I mean, Counterpunch, left or organizations and left websites that used to get traffic on the front yeah. page of Google are now completely shunned. Even like alternate yeah. media managers, yeah, not exactly radical leftists. Yeah, yeah and our like, views too, uh, Empire Files course, on YouTube, yeah. which is 100% grassroots funded and has been for the last year and a half, um, is you know uh, age sensitive content bans, um, just mass flagged. I mean, it's just basically yeah. completely restricted online. So now you're totally independent. 100%. Um, and you've been doing that since you were at Telesaur. Yeah, Since so, so we left Telesur a year and a half ago after the sanctions shut it down, and now we're 100% donor-funded. You also, by the way, your Wikipedia page is, <laughs> in fact, we have to have you on and rewrite it. Can we make some edits? It's full of, of either like very judgmental smearish things or yeah. outright falsehoods. Yeah, because corporate media reigns supreme. So, so you know, s smears and slanders in the corporate media to uh, undermine my journalism. Yeah. You know, to, to call me a Russian agent or conspiracy theorist is basically overshadows all the other work I've right. done for the past 10 years. Not to yeah. harp on this too much, but do what do people at RT, I mean, there must be in the last three years, I know you haven't been there, mm -hmm. but the, the stress of all this has got to be a pretty serious yeah. thing for people who work there, right? Because you, you, of course it's gonna impact your ability to work anywhere else in the, in the future. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, what, I mean, what do, what do people talk about, uh, you know, when, when they discuss this off, off the air? I mean. I mean, the FARA thing really was meant to really scare people. A lot of people fled. That's because the foreign, they didn't want to deal uh, with the Foreign Registration Act uh, for for RT, right. essentially. And, you know, of course, we're not doing this to the BBC. We're not right. doing this to Al Jazeera. Right. You know, they did this to Press TV as well, so kind of outright shut down Press TV. So it, it was very scary. Um, a lot of people and my colleagues working at RT were extremely uh, terrified um, yeah. having to register as a foreign agent. So and, of course, insane. they know that they're being spied on. I mean, there's probably spies working there and, and surveilling them and stuff like that. So it's it's a it's a really ridiculous culture of, of fear and uh, censorship going on, kind of self-censorship almost for RT employees right now. Right, yeah, that's like the scarier part of it sometimes, right, is that it's not overt, it's not like written, mm -hmm. you, you talk about this, right? I mean, at many places, it's not like they go through it with a red pen. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. it's in your mind. Yeah, you know, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's very no, I mean, I mean, it, one other quick story is uh, I, I spoke out on air to kind of assert my editorial freedom, which I spoke to my um, superior, and he was like, go ahead. And Before we wrap up the show, I wanted to say something from my heart about the ongoing political crisis in Ukraine and Russia's military occupation of Crimea. Just because I work here for RT doesn't mean I don't have editorial independence. And I can't stress enough how strongly I am against any state intervention in a sovereign nation's affairs. What Russia did is wrong. I admittedly don't know as much as I should about Ukraine's history or the cultural dynamics of the region, but what I do know is that military intervention is never the answer. And I will not sit here and apologize or defend military aggression. Furthermore, the coverage I've seen of Ukraine has been truly disappointing from all sides of the media spectrum and rife with disinformation. Above all, my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people who are now wedged as pawns in the middle of a global power chess game. They're the real losers here. 
All we can do now is hope for a peaceful outcome for a terrible situation and prevent another full-blown Cold War between multiple superpowers. Until then, I'll keep telling the truth as I see it. Have a good night, everyone. I'll see you back here to break the set tomorrow. The next day or two, uh, this woman resigned live on air. Her name was Liz Wall. And to kind of, you know, undermine what I had done and say, no, RT is a big propaganda network. And it came out that that was actually a coordinated stunt by Bill Crystal's think tank. What? Jamie Kerchick was working Love with her man. to launch this whole propaganda campaign to parade her around um, and basically puppeteer her um, marionette, this woman, to, to d discredit RT and discredit my kind of asserting the editorial freedom. It was fascinating because all the media bought it. She went on the Colbert Report. She went all across the mainstream media and she's kind of known as, as the, the hero who quit life on air. And she had no story. She she's had the no whistleblower. story yeah. of what was actually the propaganda that was controlling the narrative. She had right. nothing to say, actually. So that it, was a Bill Crystal like thing? Like, yeah. he, he, like he put her up to it, basically? So Jamie Kerchick at FPI Foreign Policy Initiative, which was Bill Crystal's think tank, it was the reiteration of PNAC. Uh -huh. um, and they were tweeting right before she quit saying, tune into RT, something big's about to happen. Tune in, tune in. Um, Max Blumenthal and Ronya Kalik actually wrote a really great article in Truth Dig that, that exposes this, how she was stage managed by neoconservatives. And Eli Lake was involved. Ooh. And he, to he said I was funny once on Twitter. And all of a sudden, she <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, she just had this giant media tour lined up to, to discredit me and, and kind of go with that narrative. And yeah, yeah. Bill it was fascinating. He's like, he's like proof positive. You can be wrong about like literally everything right. and just keep kind of like having yeah. a job forever. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. he's a resistance hero. Yeah, who knew? Exactly. David I Frum. I mean, who, oh my gosh, who yeah. are these people? <laughs> just so rebranded forever. Yeah, he, uh, he, had, he had some choice Rubin. words this weekend after the uh, the Tulsi thing. Did you see that? No, uh, what did he say? He, he tweeted, he basically said You're something so to the effect of, um, uh, you know, because Trump tweeted about Tulsi Gabbard mm -hmm. and he called mm -hmm. Hillary crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is it, Trump. Trump is uh, pretending that uh, that they're not all on the same team. You know, he, he, him and Tulsi, basically. And, as uh, if Bill Crystal's not on the same team as. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, John Bolton was a founding member of PNAC, so it's right. like. Right. What's PNAC? I just want to make sure. Project, Project for, for New America. Oh yeah, yeah, they're the ones who who like plant, who talked about how how great the invasion of Iraq would be, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like yeah. John Bolton is so close with these people. Right. He's probably like buds with Bill Chris. I mean, he's probably it's just unbelievable that they're trying to distance themselves from them and be like, oh, they're on a different team. No, man, you're all on the same team. So just quickly before we yeah. move on to Gaza, what did you, what did you think about the about Hillary's uh, thing last week? <laughs> I mean, look, this is. It's narcissistic personality yeah. disorder. I mean, it's really, um, it's an illness. Do you think she believes it? That's what I was wondering. I too, honestly, yeah. I think that she might because she can't accept reality. She right. can't face reality. But then again, it's like, how could you believe it? There, there's no evidence whatsoever. Um, there's no foundation built upon this this ridiculous narrative right. and the neo-McCarthy hysteria. So I, I don't know. That That's a really good question. But... All we know is that she hasn't accepted any sort of responsibility or accountability right. about why she lost. And, and and really, the blame lies squarely on her. Of course, you can talk about the media giving Trump countless right. hours and, and everything else. But like, really, Hillary was the worst possible candidate that yeah, we could I mean, have that had. Was her, that was her big quote the night of the election was they were, they were never going to let me win. Remember, that was the, the Amy, Amy Chazik's uh, oh. reporting about all that. Th that, that night uh, where they chose to blame it on Russia over pizza? Yeah, basically. I mean, but, you know, the, the, the one quote that they managed to wrangle out of that whole scene, because it's pretty unclear what the initial 
Uh, and this punching down and punching left of like Jill Stein, who oh is God. a friend of mine, and, and just third parties, it's like they want to perpetually trap us in this two-party system, this prison, and just perpetuate their own privilege. Um, and it's it's really grotesque. It's really grotesque that you can continue to blame Jill Stein. I mean, look at how many people don't vote. The same right. amount of people didn't vote um, than did for Hillary and Trump put together. Also, you saw this interesting thing where people were like, we don't need you third party voters. You're terrible. Go fuck yourselves. Yeah. And then they blame it on them. And you're yes. Russian assets. Like, yeah, if, yeah, you, yeah. If, you, if you think that these people caused the election to go to Trump, then why are you once again shitting on them? Like, yeah. you know, you have to, you need to convince people to vote. No, they, so they choose th a narrative. They think it's just, we owe them our votes every single time. And it's like, you are facilitating, like I just saw Samantha Powers saying this, like if, if Jill Stein weren't in the race, we would get all the votes. It's like, no, you wouldn't though, yeah. because we didn't want to vote for Hillary. I'm well, sorry, you were overseeing genocide in Yemen that you tried to rewrite in your book. Like, let's not rewrite history, Samantha. Yeah, let's they, talk about what Obama was instrumental in. If they sucked 5% less, they might get 5% yeah. more votes, right? <laughs> or, you know, Ben be... Jealous, who debated Jill Stein on Democracy Now! and is not sympathetic at all, was like, people stop blaming this on Jill Stein because a lot of the people who voted for her wouldn't have voted for Dems anyway. Exactly. It's not like she sucked those things away. Well, from they did exit polls about that. They've already, I mean, they've yeah. shown conclusively right. that it wouldn't have changed right. the situation. Can you imagine? Exactly. But so you know just... who doesn't know that is apparently like Rachel Maddow, right. um, no. all of MSNBC. No. This is the same thing. Ralph Nader is yeah, still I mean, maligned they're... more than Bush's. Yeah, exactly. Seriously, yeah. people yeah. have right. accepted him back in the fold, but they're still like, but fuck Ralph Nader. Right. They're like, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. wrong with you? Ellen should go see a baseball game with Ralph Nader. You, <laughs> you know she gave that, that yeah. golden chandelier to, or the baby carriage with the chandelier on it to Trump? You know, what? have you seen that obscene, ostentatious fucking uh, chandelier, like baby carriage that was given to Melania Trump? And Ellen gave him that. What? So it's like, they're all in this club you know together. This? No, that's great. Yeah, though. no, I, I love we should that. put Trump yeah. in it. <laughs> Melania, like, drive him around in that? That'd be amazing. It's Give it to David Vitter. You know, he has a diapers fetish. Really? Yeah, apparently it's a diapers fetish. So, I, I mean, think, like, we'll have really to make a bigger rich model people of with it. bad politics have really bizarre, interesting sex lives. They do, like, yeah. If yeah. only they could run on those. Yeah. Um, what a boring friend to have, George Bush. Like, why? I know. God. He's a great painter, though. Have you yeah. seen his paintings? Oh, yeah. The one in the bathtub that he scrubbed from the internet. The one of him, like, naked in the bathtub with his that. feet. Yeah, remember that? With his, like, face. It's like this abstract one where he's, like, his face is in the mirror in the shower. He painted a lot of shower Interesting. paintings before the dead soldiers. Well, he painted which is up Putin. in the Kennedy Center right he painted now. Putin. Painted Putin. Painted yeah, Putin. Yeah, the Putin one is good. It's got that kind of like it's like two flats, like a Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he likes Putin. They yeah. talked about how Putin and his dog had a into dog. His soul. His soul. Yeah. yeah, he saw great humanity there. <laughs> so just I just want to read some one of my yeah. favorite responses to Hillary's insane attack on Tulsi was from Cory Booker. Cory Booker's response yeah, that to this was, trash. was a gif of him going like this. Yeah. First of right. all, he looks insane, but that's his look. We've talked about this before. Yeah, he's yeah. a cannibal. He will eat you. That's one of his he will he's, eat yeah, you faces, which is why he's... I like it. I mean, no, we, yeah, yeah, you're I'm very, not, I don't, I don't feel negative about it at all. Yeah, um, exactly. That's exactly what Matt said. Yeah. And Matt said he wants a president who looks like he will eat you, yeah. which is why we want him to run with um, Buttigieg, because he's a woodchuck. He resembles a woodchuck, <laughs> so they're very kind of toothy. And he's more TV. aggressive lately. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Got that kind no, of like yeah. woodland critter. Yeah. It's like really bad. Right. Now, so yeah. it's we will eat you. Yeah, we will eat Buttigieg, you. Yeah. Uh, Booker 2020. Yeah. Um, so he tweets this thing, right? Uh, as in, like, it's a totally gaslighting thing, right? right he responds right. to Tulsi's response to Hillary Clinton, which yeah. is totally fair. And he, with a gif of him going like that, as if it's like she's crazy. Then Hillary 
It, yep, it gets worse. I saw that. You know, Dan Savage things gets better. Well, this gets worse. Hillary Clinton tweets back at Cory Booker this gif of herself from 2016 from a debate, and she's like, "Okay, how how delusional like, mm-hmm. do you have to be?" Well, first of all, it's hilarious that presidential politics is high school now. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, this is this is. I think even high schoolers would be embarrassed by that yeah. level oh of my social God, yeah. media behavior. Yeah, Trump, right? I'm sorry. Trump is terrible. He's very good at social media. He's a great I'm sure tweeter. he's rolling his eyes. He's like, Hillary is, Jesus, she could learn a lot from me if she pays attention. Okay, this is a debate from an election she lost, and she thinks that sh- this is an own. She's like, ha ha, Tulsi's crazy. This just looks so gross and narcissistic, as you said. And I really try to avoid that narrative because it can, it's, there's so much misogyny, not in in you or anyone who says it, but it's such a misogynist trope. But you can't really avoid it when the person is a narcissist. In fact, I'd be misogynistic and sexist to deny her that, that, that diagnosis. Yeah. Because I'd be invisibilizing her and erasing her, and then I'd have Invi- to touch yeah, the, 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 woke woke the woke button. It's right yeah. there. It's yeah. just um, the entitlement. It's it, the just, entitlement yeah. of, of like basically doing a high school like high five on Twitter using an image from this debate that was from an election. Like this is where this is a face where you think you're a winner and you lost yeah. to Trump. This right. is your face from the election that gave us Trump. Like, no, you don't get to be like, ha, ha, ha. So, um, should we talk about Gaza? Yeah, so, yeah. Um. So, so d- 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 you've got a, a, a movie out, yes. um, Gaza Fights for Freedom, right? Yes. Can you, can you tell it's us about so First of all, good. the concept of it was really, like, so when you went, what's the history of this project? Because yeah. I thought it was really interesting the way it came out, and what, what, ins- what was the reason that you did it in the first place? Yeah, and I have to say that um, this is a huge news story. It's been going on since March 30th, 2018, and virtually no media has covered it. And when they have, it's kind of been uh, giving way too much kind of credence to the Israeli propaganda machine and uh, diminishing the voices of Palestinians who are being you know, targeted, uh, killing, and whatnot. So. The Great March of Return uh, popped off on March 30th, 2018, kind of in the midst of just this egregious humanitarian crisis that's going on in Gaza, the world's largest open-air prison. 2.2 million Palestinians live there, um, 75% of whom are refugees, and half of whom are children. So keep in mind, this is a war against kids. Um, Even the UN reports that by the year 2020, there's no water. Like water will have run out. Eighty percent are living off foreign aid food supplies, yeah, right? Yep. I mean, it's it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, twenty five percent of all illnesses are directly caused from toxic water because they can't rebuild the desalination plants. Um, so this is a caged population who's just been relentlessly bombed and collectively punished ever since Hamas, of course, won that election in two thousand six. Prior to that, Israeli forces were militarily occupying it in a brutal martial law, which is still what the West Bank is under. So we were in the West Bank in 2017, me and my partner, Mike Preisner, who runs the Empire Files with me, and we filled out all the proper credentials, paperwork to get into Gaza. This is a humanitarian crisis that American taxpayers are spending $10 million every single day to sponsor these atrocities. Um, And Ron Paz, uh, the foreign press minister uh, under Israel, basically outright denied me. They called me a propagandist, not a journalist. And they also called me an Iranian agent, which I thought I was a Russian agent. That was a new one for me. I was like, am I a Venezuelan agent or a Russian agent? Now I'm an Iranian agent. You are an internationalist, Abby, so it makes sense that you do work for multiple governments. So I worked, it actually worked out really well because uh, I Skyped into a session of Gaza journalists um, when the Great March of Return started, and they were just like, you know, can we work with you on a Empire Files episode about the Great March. And so I directed these interviews of victims who were 
being killed, you know, and this is this includes not only scores of civilians and children, females and males. This march is being led by a lot of women, yeah. contingents of Gazan women that you never hear from, but also protected categories of the Geneva Conventions, children, press, medics, disabled. and disabled yeah. people. Um, and so once I got the footage back, it was so cinematically brilliant that I thought, you know, I cannot just put together an Empire Files episode. We have to put together a full feature length documentary film. And that's what we did for the last uh, eight months or so. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's like it was sort of really high res, like slow motion oh, yeah. And yeah. stuff. I mean, it's, it, do, it doesn't look like you're like a typical right. political right. documentary. Exactly. Right. Right. It has almost um, it has it has like a. It's almost like Koyana Stotsky or one yeah, of those old, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing a, cinematography. Yeah. People need to watch Samsara and Baraka too. That shit's so good. Um, but yeah, no, that's what I felt. I felt like to do this justice, to yeah. really do right. the story justice, we had to yeah. really put the effort into it. Because there's so many it. anti-war movies that are great, and but they, you know, who ha no one has the funding who's making yeah. an anti-war movie to have like a beautiful mm -hmm. cinematographic uh, film. So this was like, I was, I have to say, I was in the movie theater. I saw it at um, a screening, mm -hmm. and. I was like this the whole time. I was like, <laughs> and I'm pretty critical of Israel, but I have yeah. to say I was so angry and it changed the way I saw it. Like I now honestly think there's just like no hope. There's no hope for any two state solution. I'm sure right. you were there before, um, a long time before that I was. But, um, and you know what else made me realize? Like everyone likes to talk about how nuanced it is, shades of gray. Mm. What's so fascinating about this story is that because it's related so directly to international law right. and there's a border, it's not complicated. It's black and white. Israel, and what I appreciate that you didn't, it was less polemical than a lot mm -hmm. of things or it could have been, but you just laid it out. Israel violates the international law this way, this way, this way, this way. You know, so it's, I feel like people who aren't that critical of Israel would, would could be affected by this film in a way that yeah and, you know I have my own personal opinions about this and going to the West Bank seeing the atomization yeah. by settlements and kind of seeing the impossibility of what would the two state even be at this point and, and Israeli officials have laughed off that notion I think right. since the Oslo Accords which you know Elizabeth Warren on the other hand says that this is the official Israeli state policy for the last seven years no idea what she's talking well, about well everyone says that but they right. don't mean it right that's just they, <laughs> they pretend that, yeah but no that and so my opinions aside I wanted to structure this entire documentary under just just the structure of international law violations. Right. I mean, anyone who watches this, if you believe in the the um, if you believe in humanitarian law, if you believe right. in basic human rights, and if you believe in the Geneva Conventions, if you believe in the Hague Conventions, a right. lot of these things have been decided a century ago, right. decades ago, by the international community. You right. cannot kill unarmed people who pose no imminent threat. You cannot target children. Exploding um, bullets, the gas. Oh my God, absolutely. The exploding bullets, yeah. 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 And the, the, the gas things are amazing because they spend so much time here in the States talking about the Assad incident. And they're, they're right. even, they're, they even argue about whether or not it happened, right? right? Or, or, or who, who did it. You have footage where literally people are like gasping, and you see you see. I mean, it's so yeah. graphic. Someone brought that it's up. Not like someone's screening. telling you about this it. This is so, selective yeah. outrage yeah. that no is so perfectly it. exemplified. The fact that you know the world stands in uproar about uh, chemical weapons being used in Syria, and then they just completely turn a blind eye to the fact that there is unnamed. Um, incendiary devices, right. not only white phosphorus being used against Gaza civilians, but but unidentified toxic gas that actually kills people, suffocates people. And this is, as we know, I mean, Israel is actually leading um, as one of the world's largest defense contractors right. at this point. And so they are using Gaza as a testing ground for these unidentified, you know, gas and, and different weapons, right. the exploding yeah. bullets. And then they'll go around to these weapons expos and, and brag about it and say battle tested. 
battle tested really just kind of using it on a, on a caged civilian population. There's also um, in the movie you show footage that someone shot, a, a soldier shot, where they're narrating shooting someone. I don't know if he dies or they just blow off his leg. They, um, they shoot him in the head, so I'm so, actually okay, not sure yeah. what happens. So, yeah. uh, and, and they're like, they're, they're gleeful about it. They're laughing, they're happy. And this is the roots of, of kind of violent settler colonialism, like kind of shared roots of our racist society, right? Yeah. And you kind of have to be indoctrinated and brainwashed to, to be okay with that and to, and to kind of cheer something like that on. Like right. the expulsion of indigenous inhabitants that you are, there's an ongoing ethnic cleansing project. And in order to have a society where 83% of Israelis agree with the open fire policy at the Gaza border, and let's get this clear, this is not a border fence, this is a militarized perimeter fence that's partitioning Gazan refugees off from the lands that they were ethnically cleansed from. And this entire march was just a symbolic action. Right. It was literally just to call attention to their plight of refugee as refugees and pitch tents, kind of like Occupy Wall Street. It's very like similar to what they wanted to do. The guy who led the march was just a poet. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, back to your point is there's a very disturbing video of them filming themselves basically open fire on little children and they're like should I get the one in the pink and the guy's like no get the little kid in the blue and then he just shoots him and he's just screaming in hysteria um, excited yeah at, at them oh look at that yeah one. yeah look, at, look leg. at his legs flew up and they're like oh film that that's amazing and and I think so that they disgusting. posted it in a private yeah, so chat it's like jackass or something yeah, like yeah. That, right? yeah and it's crazy oh, it it's sick chat? it was a yeah. private yeah. chat and it was leaked out of this yeah. private chat and God knows how many more videos like this right exist. we just happened to see that one yeah and and that's why we wanted to show intentionally like we felt like we did show the Israeli side because every time that the stories covered and it was only covered when I think 60 Palestinians were mowed down in cold blood by Israeli snipers and again this is a wide view of the demonstrations and they're just picking them off um, one by one while they're dancing and standing there with flags as you saw but um, but yeah I mean that is the Israeli side the Israeli side is not giving kind of carte blanche um, to Israeli generals justifying these atrocities and excusing these actions it's actually the Hasbro propaganda machine where it's a very slick um, arm you know it's an apparatus funded tens of millions of dollars yeah. a lot by US tax dollars probably funneled into this and it's people who look like me and you yeah. who are speaking English speaking to an yeah. American audience yeah. to convince us that this is okay I mean there, there was another part of the, the movie that I thought was really effective where you kind of showed all of the the media pronouncements of politicians and, and Netanyahu yeah. and they're saying things like oh they they they, they want lots of telegenically dead Palestinians and everything kind of reminded me and you, then you juxtapose that with all these scenes of like you know, horrific you know yeah. graphic violence reminded me a little bit of Hearts and Minds the movie mm. about Vietnam where you had like you know General Westmoreland talking about how the Oriental doesn't value life and right. everything and then they're like killing Vietnamese it was, but, but I like the way I mean, was that a conscious strategy to not editorialize that much you just showed them and you showed you showed the pictures and mm. that's kind of yeah, enough, you didn't need isn't to it? Say it? Yeah, no, Matt, exactly. And and it's interesting that you bring up Vietnam because this human shield yeah. mantra has been actually used uh, for decades for kind of U.S. military conflicts to dehumanize the other yeah. and to rationalize the ongoing violence against the civilian populations. It's been used in Vietnam. It's been used in Iraq. That's it's right. They said Korea. that about North Vietnam, didn't yeah. they? Were they? Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. Like but for some reason, now. it is. It's. Yeah. I guess it's become so embarrassingly bad. Um, that all Netanyahu really has are cartoons to kind of show 
oh, you know, this is what Hamas brings to a right. protest. It's like, well, why don't you have photos of this? I mean, if Hamas is yeah. bringing, right. it's also, it has nothing to do with Hamas, of course, but it's like, we right. looked through 12 hours of footage and we didn't see one weapon. Right, that's um, the thing. And as you say, if there had been one, do you know how much like exposure that would have gotten in the media? How much video footage, yeah. photographs, like articles about yeah. it? So they, they, one of the two of the pieces of Hasbara that are really related to mm -hmm. this subject are the, um, Israel has the right to defend itself. They all want to mm -hmm. kill us line. Right. And um, we pulled out of Gaza and look what happened. Right. So right. how would you respond to, to those? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, they didn't pull out of Gaza. This is what everyone says and it's disgusting. Actually, I just saw, speaking of Hillary Clinton, uh, the debate between her and Bernie Sanders where she said exactly that, like basically echoing Trump's line saying they pulled up, we gave right. them Gaza and this is what they did. You know, they elected right. this theocratic dictatorship Terrorist. or someone like Barry yeah. Weiss and Bill oh Maher God, saying, yes, yes, they planned this. They planned their own genocide. They planned their own massacre. It's like, my God, what, you, what is wrong it. with you? Don't fall for Don't literally fall for it. Just yeah. doing something. They, they plan that absolutely. Like, that was, yeah. that was He's like, lie. I agree with everything you just yeah. said. Oh my god! Uh, but I mean, look, uh, they're under a medieval siege, right? Um, so they use the justification, and you look at WikiLeaks cables um, as Assange is rotting in prison. If you look at these cables, it shows that Israel wanted Hamas to take over. They worked with Fatah to make that happen in 2006. So then they can regard Gaza as a hostile territory, right. and then justify everything that they do to them. Right, and if you give them sense. freedom, if you give them democracy, they'll yeah. vote in these terrorists. Yeah, That's and I mean, let, let's be clear. I mean, the fact that water is deprived, electricity is deprived, the fact that they don't allow construction materials into this area. It's like, how are they self-governing? How yeah. are they determining their own Medical future? Medical treatment. Medical treatment. They they've restricted every, every you have year. Do you have to get permits, permits to get yes. medical yeah. treatment? Yeah. I mean, and that's so and dystopian. And they're shooting a lot right? of these really? people in the knees so they are deliberately know that they will be amputated it's so and amputees. Disgusting. Did um, that guy, you, you email, I mean, you interview someone, Mohammed, mm -hmm. um, right. who every, like more time passes, the more likely it is that he'll need an amputation because he's yes. not getting a permit to go get um, surgery. Yes. Do you know what his status he is? He is he's amputated. Yeah. That was like, that Five was Five centimeters every day. The, I mean, a lot of these people, there's a lot of more gruesome material of them saying that they, you know, the ligaments can be seen. There's, oh their God. wounds are rotting because they can't even get proper dressings for their wounds. Right. And again, since the protest came off, uh, popped off, they actually just collectively punished everyone involved and they said, everyone is a Hamas militant that's involved. And so everyone was just outright denied um, and not only had, you know, the, the permits had been offered less and less, but then once the protest started, they said everyone involved was denied medical permits. Another thing that I thought was interesting is that you highlighted the way, um, you know, there's this technique that they use with, with the press where unnamed sources, like usually military intelligence sources, mm -hmm. will, will say something as bad is going to happen. They're, they're planning right. on doing right. something violent, right? And I remember they happened when the flotilla yeah. oh happened in, in 2011. They, oh, they're, they're going to load up boats with sulfur and explosives. And like the whole world sort of prepped for the idea that they're going to do something bad. So that when, when the, the reaction happens, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it's all reasonable, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's a pattern that happens there over and over again, is that they, they kind of seed the press with this idea, mm -hmm. right? And then it raises the expectations, and therefore they have to be shot or whatever it is, yeah, right? Right, and it's, it's fascinating too, because even if you look at like, yeah, that propaganda saying Israel has rights to, to defend itself right. and um, they're going to commit a massacre. Right. I mean, Ahmed, the organizer of the march, and the march was completely organized by unaffiliated academics, poets, activists, like no one that had anything to do with any kind of political organizations. And by the way, Hamas is not this monolithic entity. Yeah. There's a bunch of other political parties there, including leftist parties. Um, but Ahmed explains clearly, he's like, this is a peaceful, symbolic action right. to try to mount international pressure. And so he kind of debunks that 
um, on its face, but it doesn't matter because they're always going to use the human shield propaganda. Right. They use it against Razan al Najjar, right. who's a medic who maligned her. Yeah, right. medics um, raising their hands up, going toward the fence. That they, they they will never stop using that human right. shield propaganda. But it's so ridiculous because even if you look at the military definition of what a human shield is, it means that you're using a civilian in front of you to as an armed militant, and it's like there's no militants at right, the march. Right, yeah. So what even does right. that mean? She's, I mean, so yeah, there's a scene where she tells a journalist, I'm here as a human shield, meaning I'm here as a person who's unarmed and I'm trying yeah. to protect other people right. to stop Israelis from shooting at someone behind me. She doesn't want to be shot. Right. It's like a preventative right. anti-violence thing, not a... Like, oh, now you made us go and shoot you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is such, it is so sordid. And to say that they're committing self-genocide, I mean, I just can't, Oh my can't, God, that I was like when Mitt, Mitt yeah. Romney said, like, self-deporting. Yeah. But much, much, yeah, much yeah, worse. Yeah. I and, mean, it's uh, just, yeah. it's talking points that I just can't fathom that people and even believe. If you, you also make this point, which even if they did, so the Palestinians have not done what they're accused of doing. Mm-hmm. They have not come to the border and threatened people. There's nothing came close to like, no one right. came close to being killed. No Israeli right. was no. close to being killed. Four claimed scratches from thrown rocks. Scra- scratches yeah. from thrown rocks. And property damage. And you, you say, but even if they had done that, which they very much did not, yeah. but even if they had, that actually would have been justified legally. Right, defending so, yourself. Right, and the UN, we, we try to structure everything within the confines yeah. of international law. So even with the UN General Assembly of 1978, clearly states that um, armed struggle is is legitimate and justified for people who are under siege and occupation by by a foreign military, and that's exactly what is going on in Gaza. But um, but again, like they have abandoned this notion largely right. uh, as a as a community of violent resistance. I mean, we saw that in the intifadas, and right. and now that's why they're they're doing this mass mobilization. But absolutely, I mean, and that's the thing. What we try to prove with the movie is that everything Israel's doing under the confines of international laws is illegal and criminal, right. and everything that Palestinians are doing is legal and justified. Yeah, but the media. I mean, the entire official narrative from Israel, from American media, is the exact opposite. Well, it's, right. just, it's worthy on unworthy victims, yeah, that, exactly, that whole yeah. thing, right? right? Like, yeah, it's, you know, like Syria, those are victims. We, we can we can talk about those yeah. we can't talk about because they're... Um, what about the reception of this? I mean, what... what you made this documentary. It's a great documentary. It's, it's affecting. But if you had trouble trying to get traction with it in the West. I mean, like, what, what's, yes. what's the story there? When's the there? Tel Aviv screening? <laughs> Actually, there are screening one at Tel Aviv University. I'm working wow. with some anti-Zionist Israelis wow. now, very few of them. Um, but no, I mean, the traction is very little. That's why we're doing uh, peer-to-peer grassroots screenings, working with anti-war organizations and pro-Palestinian solidarity organizations around the country, because we want to couple this with tools to action, with a call for BDS and international solidarity with Palestinians. And we don't just want people to see it on Vimeo and be sad right. and just kind of feel desperate. Um, like Sabrine, Razan's mother, says, we want more than your sympathy. We want our rights. Right. It's time for us to just yeah. stop being watched, being killed, and, and we really want our rights back. And and when we say rights for Palestinians in BDS, we mean we're not kicking, you know, no one's going to be kicked out of their homes. It just means resettlement and reparations for Palestinian refugees and lifting the siege and occupation, of course. Um, so the reception has been uh, mixed. I mean, in, in terms of venues and people who are the audience, I mean, sold out venues yeah. all across the country, venues who want to co-sponsor it. I feel like the political consciousness is completely shifting. Right-wing yeah. cities like Albuquerque, Phoenix, putting Gaza fights for freedom on these marquees with like wow. no disruptions, no protests, yeah. no complaints, which I think five years ago you would have oh, seen yeah, yeah. a bit of a difference. Um, but in terms of distribution, it's another story. I mean, Matt, y- y'all know, like, Rolling Stone, this is amazing that, that you'll give this a platform because this is not given a platform. 
Palestinian voices are not amplified, and when they are, they are discredited by Israeli Hasbro propaganda. Um, and so the fact that you're doing this is is really monumental and huge. Um, but but you'll see that over and over again. I mean, when the 60 people were gunned down, it was passive voice. It was that they were killed yeah. or they, they yeah. died. Right. You know, who's killing them? Yeah. Or that clashes happened and 60 oh God, died. Clashes. It's like, yeah. no, they, they were systematically they, murdered. They were died. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As if there's any comparable, as if it's a battle at all. Right. One right. side is right. like armed to the hilt and one right. isn't. No, it's unbelievable. And it's like, again, a wide view of these demonstrations and people are dancing, celebrating. And, and the courage that's that's seen by Palestinians where you'll go up to, a, a, as a rite of passage, you'll throw a rock, knowing that you can get shot in the head right. for doing that, or just run up to the fence and put a flag. You know, that's a symbolic act. They're not trying to do anything, and, and the fact that they're getting systematically gunned down um, in cold blood is is really, really shocking. But um, it's not distributed anywhere. It, it won't be. Even PBS had a frontline documentary ready to go about the Great March of Return, and they had to pull it. Wow. Um, Al Jazeera, as we know, pulled the the lobby, and right. so you're seeing this happen time and again. And um, and I think that just ignoring it at this point is easier than trying to discredit it. Where I think a couple right. of years ago they would have kind of gone on the offense, but now um, now they just think you know it's it's worth not paying attention right. to and not trying to shine a light on on this film. Can you talk about the process? Because you were not allowed to be there. So mm-hmm. what was the timeline like? They would shoot something, they would send it to you. Were you like skyping in real time during the interviews? There was translation. Yeah, no, this is. I, I totally forgot to say this part, which is we had to redact our co-producer's name, the field producer who was on the ground every day um, coordinating all these interviews. And um, I had to redact his name at the end because he said, I can't put my name to this film because I'm scared of retaliation from the Israeli government. And if I put my name on it, I might not ever be able to leave Gaza. And so the fact that he's not with us and not given the accolades and not being able to screen these films with us is really, um, really disturbing to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got all the footage kind of at once of the interviews and I was so blown away. I was like, my God, the fact that you have these steady cams and the slow motion and the drone shots and it was so unbelievable. And then I hired Maz Maza and I have to give a shout out to Maz Maza, the the main videographer at the march who risked his life every week, saw people getting gunned down over and over again and ran toward the bullets. I mean, that's courage. That's something that Bill fucking Marr doesn't understand because he's a coward. Um, so Maz Maza, um, I, I hired him again to get more footage of the march and keep, you know, keep sending that material. Were you it's scared just he was going to be killed? Stunning. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, and, and that's the privilege uh, as an American citizen sitting safely in yeah. downtown but Los you, Angeles. But to be fair, you would have, I mean, you would have done that if you could have. Not yes. that you have to. I wouldn't yeah. have done that. But, and there's nothing wrong with asking people, you know. No, I mean, that that's the thing is that, like, I have to understand my privilege and, like, use it to, right. to yeah. do everything that I possibly can to, to lift these voices and amplify these voices. Because how can I not fight every day to expose the atrocities that are being committed and perpetrated by my government if they're risking their lives yeah. every week to get this footage to show us what's going on? People should definitely watch it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Where can they watch it? Yes. How can they do that? Yeah, so GazaFightsForFreedom.com. We're actually wrapping up our tour right now. You can check out the last remaining tour dates on GazaFightsForFreedom.com. But right now it's behind a small paywall on Vimeo, of course, just to recoup some of these production costs, which uh, we paid Hollywood wages to all the Gaza journalists and you know, basically spent the entire fundraiser that we raised for Empire Files on this film. So that's how we're going to get it more seen more places. If you're interested in a screening, write me there. Uh, GazaFightsForFreedom.com. It's on Vimeo right now, and we're going to make it more widely available after the tour. Excellent. Abby, thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wow, that was amazing. That was great. Yeah, no, it really was. It was. And you know what? Very important point to make. 
very quickly is that what's amazing about that movie is that there really is joy among the people in Gaza. Like she, not she, all the time. She starts time. off the film that she way. She starts actually, off the film that way. Yeah. You see them at the beach, and it's this amazing juxtaposition because they actually are the only people in the world who aren't allowed to flee right. by boat. Yeah. Like most places, it's like we don't care about you. Go die in the sea, but they can't even do that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And they're going to build a seawall. Oh my to, God! So scary. Yeah. yeah. But they're these adorable the, kids, and honestly, I'm surprised there isn't more violence but from the Palestinians. I mean, if you when you watch this movie, you'll be amazed that there's such a total black out on this story in the, yeah. in the United States and uh, I, I actually I, I felt uh, kind of ashamed that I didn't know more about it don't blame um, yourself blame the Hasbara that's the Israeli propaganda okay I yeah. blame them all right yeah. excellent oh well God, anyway uh, tune in check check out the documentary thanks for listening to useful idiots The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.